Welcome to Carpooling with Adam, the first episode recorded in the year 2020. Happy New Year to everyone who celebrates the traditional New Year calendar. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to try something different. I've been a little too forcibly enthusiastic in the past because I feel like that's the expectation. So I'm going to take things down, way down a notch in this episode and, and be more real for you all. Uh, not really. Usually, if I'm forcibly enthusiastic, I'm laughing shortly thereafter, and it's obvious. But I was just—it was just a thought I had as I was waiting to to turn at the light here. So I'm gonna continue to talk today about shape up from the base camp folks, right? I'm not an authoritative, authoritative critic nor authorized to give you my thoughts but hey that's what you do in a carpool there's no copyright licensing and other such stuff required just to have a conversation right so um two concepts i want to talk to you about today there's one that really i really like the other one they go hand in hand so i can't um i was thinking of how i could just talk about one but i can't do one without the other and it's their concept of appetite. Well, let's just talk about that first, okay? So what they consider an appetite is a specific time budget for a standard team size, okay? That's gonna be a new definition to a lot of people, um, but I love it and I'll get into why. For them, it's a six week block of work right for one of their standard team sizes which is two to three members right we could have a whole discussion about the time blocks and standard team size which uh, if you're interested in that discussion go check out the Twitter feed and find it on there because it's it's all there and something that the, talking about the Twitter feed reminds me um, it's really funny how and and it's very easy to do with these two concepts that I'm going to talk about today to kind of take them and run with them not knowing any context not knowing their history I've been following these guys for a number of years I think a friend of mine introduced me hey Kevin introduced me to these folks and their blogs and writings and um, so I get what they're about and very rarely do I take stuff out of context from them and run with it because I understand that context, but that happens all the time on Twitter and their medium posts and whatnot and people just send out their dogs and it's it's insane. But I guess that is the way of, of the Twitter. Anywho, so um so appetite. Okay? Now does this mean they only take on stuff that fits into a six week? Because I know, I guarantee people are going to take that and that's how they're going to read it and understand it. No. The six weeks is the largest. Right? And I'm not going to, we're not going to, I'm not going to get the semantics of how you decide the week. A lot of people did that with them, argued about whether it's a sprint cadence and that. No, just remove all of all that and don't try and look at it through other contexts that don't apply okay just take it for you have to take it for how they understand it to really under, 
to really to get a good grip on it. Thank you, Mr. Diesel Truck. Hopefully we're not side by side all the way home where this is gonna be fun. Um, but they also break things into, so what they call, um, they call big batch and small batch. Big batch item is, it's gonna take six weeks. Small batch, maybe a week or two, and they'll do multiples of them in that six week time period, okay? So that gives you a, an idea of how they, how they break out their development cycles. But there are a couple of important questions you have to ask in order to take this approach. What I see a lot of is people trying to take this approach and apply it to their current ecosystem, their current environment, and it's, it's just not gonna fit. So you have to understand, have a very good understanding of a couple things. The first is, how valuable is this idea? that they want, you want a team to build, okay? Now, if any of you are saying, well, duh, well, I'm so glad you work somewhere that even thinks about that. For the 80 to 98% of us that work elsewhere, <clears throat> where that's not even a question. The only question is, who's pushing this idea? And who's, how soon do they want it? right not any discussions about really how valuable is this now as I've talked before just because one or two or three or five customers asked for it doesn't mean it's a valuable idea okay the the mere existence of an idea does not make it valuable I don't know why that is so lost on the software world but it's crazy to me because I don't, that, to me, that's the duh. Just because an idea exists does not mean it has value. A lot of my own ideas are crap. <laughs> They're throwaway. So I don't go around with this notion that, well, I have an idea. It must be worth something. Well, no, that's false. Okay? And then how you define value, you have to get into that. See, the, the Basecamp guys have this figured out for them. And I would argue uh, in a lot broader sense than just their own little world too. But we'll, we'll keep it in, in that frame. And I think I've talked on other episodes about how value is defined in software. You have to understand that well. The other thing you have, the other question they ask, and they say this, and it's it's crazy to me, but I still I love it. What is worth our time? How often is that asked? Where you work, where you work? How often does someone ask within the software development teams? Well, not within the teams it happens, but someone external who's deciding on the work to hand off to the team. How often are, do they think of things in those terms? What is worth our time? So here's what's interesting about that to me. A dev team's time is valuable. It is a scarce resource. Okay? So coming at it from that perspective is, what is worth having those people put their time towards? 
I know some people this is going to be really hard paradigm shift to make because the establishment out there is not this concept is just foreign or uh, not digestible again what is what is worth the team's time to build that answers a lot of questions if, if you can answer that question if whether or not it's worth the time or make the decision on what you build based on that solves a lot of issues and simplifies things greatly but most companies unfortunately take a flip approach to this and say oh it's worth their time it's just a matter of how quick can I get them to work on it I, I don't think whether it's worth their time should be off the table especially if you're not the development team making that decision for them that's absurd okay now at Basecamp I get the feeling and I think I've read that dev teams are involved in this process and getting to this point okay so it's not like this is a business function in air quotes that has to be done and is all this is all cleaned up and ready to go before it's handed to a dev team now most organizations the dev teams get engaged way too early and I've talked a lot in previous episodes about why that happens but if if you're handing stuff off to a dev team when to them it's still an idea concept or theory whether or not you think it's ready to go doesn't matter do people who are actually going to have to build it, do they think it's ready uh, to be built and all the right things have been taken into consideration? Uh, to me, those are more valuable questions to answer than somebody in the business thinks it's worthwhile because such and such large customer thinks it is or because three of my favorite customers think it is or all the other reasons that people give that aren't really getting at the heart of what the value is and is it worth our time to build because those are hard questions to answer especially for non software development experienced people so they just kind of schlep it off and hand things over to the team really really preliminary before they even know what the value is and whether or not it's even worth their time to build they don't care right my name's attached to this my promotion is my advancement my career in this company or other companies is tied to this particular thing being built none of those are good reasons to build something and spend other people's time ever they're just too shallow and two high level of reasons and there are all kinds of horrible destructive consequences of making the decision on that basis okay so hopefully I've given you a sense of to how they define appetite and what they're really after with that not here's an endless list of features that somebody thinks are important that we're never going to question or examine but nevertheless they've been submitted Therefore, they are esteemed of high value and are worthy of your immediate and, um, what's the word everyone uses that always gets under my skin? Urgent effort. Well, if you're doing that, uh, don't, and not interested in doing things better, or thinking I think just don't just shut this off and, and never listen to me ever again because it will not be worth your time
I'm just telling that right now. And I can tell you that because I've thought through it and considered it and can legitimately make that call. So going to this next concept is, I say that because this next concept is going to be even harder to swallow if you can't get your head or teeth into appetite and making sure you've done enough design work that you understand the value and if it's worth doing. Now I just throw that as a side note, but it's kind of key. At this point, they at Basecamp have done enough design to know that. And to know kind of what they're uh, trying to accomplish. They don't know everything. They don't know all the landmines they're going to find. But they have a good enough idea that they're comfortable giving it and saying this is worth spending time on. Okay, so if you've made it through all that, you're now at this point where... Um, The appetite and considering this for time frame it makes a nice spot where you're, you've got this appetite as defined by base camp guys as a nice creative constraint on design so whether it's a big batch or a small batch now you kind of have to rein things in creatively right and focus even better on what's more important what's really core to what we're trying to do, okay? It's, it, it kind of pushes you to understand that. What's the core of what we're trying to do? And if you understand that, then decisions about what to include or not to include, or um, where the value really is, what's, what's peripheral, what's unnecessary, makes those decisions much easier. If you don't have any idea, Good luck. Roll the dice, grab your butt, and hang on. That's that's about what you're in for. Okay? So, this brings up the, the an important notion. Hold, hold on to your seats here. That scope is what is variable or flexible, not time. Okay? Now, think about this, though. Because some people are going to go, duh. But, but really, in a lot of software organizations, I'm gonna say most, because I'm sorry, it's, it's just the case. If you're in a world where it's not most, again, I congratulate you and uh, <laughs> look me up because I may want a job there. <laughs> it's funny because it's, it's obvious. That should be an obvious thing. Time is fixed. There are so many hours in a day which contains so many minutes and so many seconds, which make up so many weeks and so many months and so many years. Those those are fixed, right? You don't get to you don't get to change. You can you don't get to say, well, for this endeavor, although most people try without I think without really readily recognizing it, will say I think they're hoping for the theory of relativity to be all worked out and we somehow have mastery over time and have a way to make it flexible, right? It's not. So why do we spend so much stinking time in meetings and plannings and discussions trying to make time flexible? How do we get more out of this fixed variable? 
or how do we increase you know it even goes there unfortunately in a lot of cases how do we increase the time variable so we can stuff more in there if you're going to figure out a good plan for something and a nice approach and maybe what's less risky less problematic you would think the go-to would be don't look at the fixed variables work with the flexible ones but for some reason in the software development world in a lot of cases they flip that upside down and let's beat on this inflexible time thing why you have scope that is completely flexible you have absolute control over it it can vary and it's okay if it does that's where the focus should be right that's where you can make things more workable because you have the most flexibility and variability with it not in time so many people are beating down the door of time just barking up the wrong tree sorry if I'm using too many uh, phrases euphemisms analogies so why does this matter well they give the example of creating this book right they had enough time to either add a section to the book or go back and correct typos and do a bunch of quality check stuff well if you assume which is how um, unfortunately too many companies will operate that scope is inflexible and that what we said originally way too early on in the process should be delivered must be delivered what you're going to do is you're going to add that extra section and you're going to let the typos and all that stuff slide is that a great idea if you're writing a book trying to publish a book no if, if you, you can't you, you're not going to have credibility or, or sell books being illiterate you, you see, the, see the problem there but yet we do it in the software world all the time. Quality takes a back seat all the time. And I think this is at the heart, one of the reasons at the heart of why. Because they've ordered the flex, the scope is inflexible, it's ironclad. We're gonna mess around with the time and somehow try and get some imaginary flexibility out of that to feel better. That's the reality of what they're what you're doing. And quality is one of the first things to go. Because it's perceived that gives you the time flexibility. It's, it's looking at it so backwards, it just baffles me how many decisions are made looking at things from this backwards perspective. So of course, they decided, no, we're going to leave that extra section out. No one's even going to know it should have been there. They're not going to miss it. But they sure as heck are going to notice typos, misspellings, other things that you just kind of expect are standard and not issues in books, right? If you're trying to read a book where the, the chapters are all jumbled together and the writing doesn't flow well and there's a bunch of typos and, and incorrect words and spellings and horrible punctuation, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're just going to bail. There's plenty of other books out there that don't require so much work. 
Um, so, so, um, so yeah, you've got to be flexible with your scope. Now, a lot of companies, places still get stuck on this one and they try and do it retroactively, right? When you're getting ready, you're about to ship and you're trying, to, you're going, oh, we need to cut this out of scope in order to get everything tested and where we want to be to ship it. If that's ever worked for you, awesome. I would love to hear about that. I have not seen that ever work out. Why? Because there are too many commitments that have already been made that people are scared to death to go back on. I still argue it's still the right decision to go back and say to those people you've made commitments, hey, we're not gonna meet them. Here's why. Hope, hope you can understand. We want to deliver the best thing we can to you and it's either meet the date or cut this out of scope and give you something not riddled with quality and other issues and, and other destructive risks. I think most of the time they're gonna understand that. And if they don't, eh, you should probably question whether or not they want them as a customer or not. That's my take. So, um, Shoot, where was I going with that? Oh, I'm such a rabbit hole person. Oh, okay. So, most people, companies, businesses are scared to do that. Why? Because, well, maybe the marketing collateral is already done, and maybe there's a planned demo at your next user conference, and maybe, and maybe, and maybe there's sales contracts writing on this feature being in this particular release, and all that nonsense that shouldn't happen. That's definitely putting the cart before the horse. That's a whole other discussion, but it is. I've, I've tried to see that spin and turn so many different ways to say it's not. It is. Putting the cart before the horse is a bad idea because then you make these bad decisions like, well, we're going to ship ship a turd just so we can say we did because there are all these other things riding on it now. Best not to be putting yourself in that situation uh, intentionally every time. And that's also why the design, enough design has to be done up front that you're not handling a bunch of what ifs over to a dev team for them to sort them out. It's too late. You don't sort that out in the development process. You sort that out in upfront design and discussions and determining the value and whether or not it's worth the time to build. See, goes back to that. That's why those are so cool. Why I love them so much. And then it makes those decisions easy. Oh, it's obvious we would want all the quality checks done on our book instead of including that last section. Somebody, I guarantee somewhere in this analogy, would argue, well, that section may be the most valuable. Well, then all kinds of other things have gone wrong up the line if you're in that point, right? That's not a justification for doing it anyway. That's saying, boy, we've really screwed up all the way along and we've left the most important thing to the very end, which is always a good idea, where it's most at risk. No, that's silly. But people still, I hear that argument. It's insane. It just doesn't make any sense.
So that's my thoughts today. Um, I hope it's given you some things to think about. Um, and if so, unfortunately, you're probably like me. You're, you're loving all of this, this candy that the base camp team serves up and living in a world that is so against it and so not ready for it. What do we do? No, I'm real. I'm serious. I'm asking. I'm waiting for your answer. <laughs> ah, anywho. Um, finishing up my drive home, almost home. Wow, making good time today. I don't, I would have thought everyone would have been back at work today on January 2nd, but I don't know. I can see how some people just took these two days off too. Um, but I'm glad I didn't because I could not have come back to a full work week after having so much time off. Uh, at least I've got, oh, I just got to endure one more day and then it's the weekend again. <laughs> and then maybe I can brave another full week. But it's winter. It's snowy. I'm glad. Yesterday was a really bad icy road, snowy day yesterday. I'm glad I was just home, warm and cozy, hanging out with my family, doing whatever we wanted, eating whatever we wanted. It was awesome. And I was not on the snowy, stupid roads, taking all kinds of life-threatening risks that are unnecessary. Ugh. Anyways, hope this discussion has been worthwhile. I'm going to keep investing in having worthwhile discussions and thoughts and times to share with you. Um, so, again, Happy New Year, and I'll catch you on the next episode of Carpooling with Adam. This is Adam saying see you next time. Bye.